Charlie, do you remember in 2020 when Black Lives Matter were ascendant and they were burning everything down? I remember sitting there in the midst of it all thinking this is quite possibly the worst thing I've ever seen in politics ever. It was around that time, actually, that I started getting really angry about politics because I was I seeing was this. furious, yeah. And it was just like, for one thing, you know, everybody around me was kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's happening. And I was just like, do you not understand? Like, do you, do you not have eyes? Like, do you not see what's going on here? Does this not make you furious that this is not just happening, but being allowed to happen as well? Well, it seems like it's pretty much died a death now. And yeah, we're well, going to be looking at that today. So I suppose it's actually some good news from Lotus Eaters. Yeah, pinch yourself. It's not April Fool's Day. Although the election is coming up. So, hey, maybe that, they'll return. That is true. Hopefully not. But what I want to talk about is one of the Black Lives Matter organizers stole some money. I mean, there's who, a surprise. Who'd have thought? I mean, it's not like there's a, a track record of them using the, the money they raised for their own gain, which I actually support because it. It meant that it was taken out, taken out of this sort of weird sort of reparations pool that mm. people assumed it was going to be. Yeah. And I don't think people should be rewarded for grifting, mm. um, at least uh, not to a societal-wide extent mm. like that. But the fact that they took the money out of the pot and bought mansions with it, not this lady we're talking about, but the ones in America, mm. is kind of good. I I'm glad they did. Well, I'm reliably told that it's actually a form of Marxist praxis to uh, take that money and buy mansions with it. Oh, yeah. I, I remember reading Marx and saying, you need to buy mansions. Yeah, for uh, yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's liberation. Mm -hmm. To defeat the bourgeois, you need to become bourgeois. Yeah. But this, this story is based in Britain, and it's titled Black Lives Matter Organiser Behind the Protest Which Toppled Edward Colston Statue in Bristol Admits Fraud After £30,000 Raised From Donors Goes Missing. And uh, this I, I find hilarious. Because I thought there would be no consequences for all the terrible things they did. And mm. here we are. I mean, only three years late, but nonetheless, she's finally in court. And it's quite satisfying to see this sort of stuff happening because these people do need to face some justice. I mean, again, most of them won't. But, you know, to see the figureheads getting it. No justice, no peace, one might say. Indeed, yes. But I'm going to read a little bit from the article because it gives you some interesting details. It says, one of the organizers of the Black Lives Matter protest, which saw slave trader, among other things, which uh, the Daily Mail doesn't mention, um, Edward Colston statue toppled his admitted fraud after £30,000 was raised from donors, went missing. Um, I think her name is Zara Salim, 23, pleaded guilty. That's not her. She changed her name mysteriously recently. Who, right. who, who'd have thought? I mean... It's almost like she's going to change her name back once all this blows over. So is that is that her real name or is that her new name? That's her new name. Hmm. What is it with these types and, and the letter X? I don't know. Like Ibram X. Kendi. You know, everyone. I think everyone just wants to be Malcolm X in this. <laughs> the letter X, that's the black letter. Yeah. <laughs> so it carries on to say, um, she's pleaded guilty to one count of fraud by abuse of position following an investigation by Avon and Somerset Police into a GoFundMe page called Brist BLM set up ahead of the protest in Bristol in June 2020. The only thing is, she's not from Bristol either. So is that right? <laughs> she's not even involved in any way, but saw, saw some opportunity to make money and mm -hmm. took it, which um, if only some of her compatriots did the same, perhaps not quite in this way, mm. there wouldn't be the riots in the first place. Yeah. But um, Salim said she had set up the crowdfunding page to raise money for face masks and other equipment to help facilitate the march legally, given it was taking place in the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. An agreement is said to have been made that any excess funds would 
um, go to the charity Changing Your Minds Limited, which was a youth group based in St. Paul's area of Bristol, so young people could go on a trip to Africa. I mean, Black Lives Matter, sending people back to Africa. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I mean, on that bit before as well, saying that she could uh, you know, raise money to get face masks and other equipment. They wouldn't have stopped the protest if they didn't have face masks. No, like BLM was the, was the state-sanctioned, regime-approved protest to do during COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, but the same couldn't be said of the uh, anti-lockdowns. But anyway, yeah. different issue. I mean, I, you you can kind of admire the grift, although she didn't get away with it. So you mm. know, terrible at it. Um, so it goes on to say, following the protest, which gained worldwide attention, the page raised tens of thousands of pounds. However, none of the money is alleged. Lee arrived to the charity. Salim, who changed her name from Yvonne Mayner, um, Mayner? I don't know, something or other, um, is accused of using money um, raised for herself. Never happens. Never, no, never has happened. Um, she initially entered not guilty pleas to two charges of fraud. The second charge related to a separate online fundraising page set up in days following the toppling of the statue called Bristol Protesters Legal Fund. So she is an industrious grifter. You've got to give her that. At least two attempts. A trial was listed for December, but Salim appeared at Bristol Crown Court last week to ch- um, change her plea to guilty for the first charge. The second charge was discontinued by the Crown Prosecution Service. It emerged today. I don't know why. I mean, surely if she's guilty of the first one, that's evidence for mm. guilt of the second to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, Salim of Romford, Essex, will return to the same court to be sentenced at um, the end of October. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. Yeah. So she really is just, she just she was just parachuted in mm-hmm. to get some cash. Mm-hmm. And if, um, John, you scroll down to the picture of her, I, I just want to be unnecessarily mean. Um, oh no, she's there. So she's wearing like a white shirt with like lingerie over the top tucked in some blue jeans. I was thinking when it's, this, it's a bold choice. Yeah, when this image was on screen, I did just think like is this do you trust this person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Certainly not as a look. fashion advisor, yeah. No. But very um, interesting look. With compulsory mockery out of the way, let's move on to this. And this is the if I can find where the mouse is, it's disappeared. Oh, here we go. Um this is interest over time on Google Trends for Black Lives Matter. And as you can see, there's a massive flatline after 2020. So come down here, there's you know a couple of blips around sort of early January of 2021, a little blip there in April, and then pretty much just flat. Mm. It's, it's, it's basically over, at least in the UK. I mean, the peak here, peak Black Lives Matter, if I can see it, it's not letting me. Hold on, Google. It's a but I think it's about August time, 2020. Oh, come on. This is unbearable. I'm, it's I'm 100. Just... That's the point. Yeah. It... I don't know what it's 100 of. Is it 100 per thousand searches or something? Oh, I, I think don't John's going to try and fiddle and get it. This is uh, one of the richest companies in the world here. Can't even produce a good graph. Sure. But yeah, I think it's about August of 2020 yeah. is when they peaked. And it is just this massive blip and then vanished. Mm-hmm. So it does seem that the, the sort of political left's main organization for mobilization mm. has been neutered. It's basically non-existent, which is great mm. because say what you will about Black Lives Matter, but they did effectively mobilize lots of people to do oh, yeah. lots of bad things. And in the same way that subsequently, you know, there's been the Russell Brand story recently, obviously also Ukraine and various other stories that you just could not escape. You know, they were literally everywhere, all on the front covers of the newspapers. That was what BLM were for that time. You know, yep. you couldn't certainly move was, yeah. BLM. Everyone was talking about it. You know, everyone 
sort of in my circles was talking about it. You literally couldn't escape it. And now it's barely ever mentioned, it, which is weird. You know? I know it's gone out of the Overton window mm. very, very quickly. Yeah. One might even say artificially, almost well, like people realized that this doesn't look good for us. Mm. Let's not talk about this anymore because they're all, um, all the organizers are mm. stealing the money and it makes the whole thing look bad. Yeah. Well, again, ultimately these groups are just a tool for, um, elite interests because they are just uh, trotted out when it's advantageous. Well, it, for them. it was hilarious when Black Lives Matter were whinging about Joe Biden not yeah. inviting them to the White House. They're yep. just like, hey, we got people to vote for you and now you're yep. not talking to us. And it's like, what did you expect? Mm. There was also an incident in New York where some BLM leaders were like complaining about vaccine mandates disproportionately affecting people of color in some way. Um, and it got no coverage at all because it, it wasn't advantageous for the, mm -hmm. for the people who were actually propping them up. Um, you know, this exactly is that kind that, of yeah. the idea of the high-low middle mechanism, where the elites sort of pick a, a client group and, and sort of bring them into the court, prop them up, make them you know on the fronts of all the newspapers, and then when they're done with them, when their purpose is served, they disappear, as demonstrated mm -hmm. by this graph. There's a lot of truth to that mm. sort of understanding, particularly in modern pol politics yes. in particular. So the U.S. as well follows a similar sort of trend, and yes, just a big spike. It's even. It's actually an even neater spike and, and it kind of smooths out and then again, basically inconsequential for the rest of it, mm. which is good. I think yes, that, it yeah, is. We're, we're sort of in the post-BLM world, which mm. you know, I, I feel a lot better for. If I'd been able to say to my sort of 2020 self who was on the brink of utter rage, mm. at, this is civilizational collapse sort of thing, which yeah. is uh, topical because that'll be my next segment. Um, I was really concerned because this was just being allowed to happen and within three years of it happening, it's already been put away yeah. back in its box, mm. never to emerge again. And okay. um, to kind of highlight that point, um, a segment I did, I think a week or two ago, talking about the dumbest racial conflict in London where a bunch of uh, racial activists, black racial activists, confronted, I think he was Pakistani or Middle Eastern. Mm. I, I, lots of speculation about what ethnicity he was, but he's a Middle Eastern chap, I suppose, who owned a, a hair extension shop and they all got mad because a woman tried to steal from him and yeah. he used force to stop her, as you think all rational people would. Yeah. And they're just like, this is terrible. This is oppression. Mm. And they also blamed the white man somehow because, you know, we always are involved in some way, even though we weren't at all present in, in this scenario. It's, it was really amusing, this little incident, because it was just, I don't know, it was the sort of, the new, the new Britons, let's say, mm -hmm. battling it out as, as we just stand on and watch. It's my like, reason, sorry, what's happened to our country? <laughs> <laughs> my reason for bringing this up, though, um, isn't just to laugh at it, which mm. is also funny, um, but also that because they didn't have all of the organization of Black Lives Matter, it wasn't really that much of a big protest. There may be 50 no. people there yeah. in all of London, mm. which, you know, is a very large ethnic population. You think it would be the place where they could draw the biggest crowd for yeah. this sort of thing. And it might be that some people saw that they were protesting on behalf of the thief, although a lot of their coverage didn't mention that she was stealing, mm. just said this, the shop owner assaulted a black woman. How dare he do this? Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no reason for that to happen, even if she's stealing. Yeah. Um, they didn't mention that part, but... Yeah, it, it goes to show that now this organizational apparatus is gone, mm. they can't nearly draw as big a crowd as they, they could. Obviously, yeah. this is still terrible, 
but it's also a small minority of people. They did bully the guy, make him take his kids out of school mm. and he had to go into hiding. So it's not great, mm. but at least it isn't nearly as bad as it was. Things are getting better. And uh, on the topic of criminal organizations that extract money from people, I did a uh, episode of Contemplations about the economics of organized crime where I break down um, with my sort of economist, economists, can't say it now, economists <laughs> cap on mm. and looked at how it works, um, what effect it has on national economies mm. and the difference between disorganized and organized crime. And hopefully it should be really interesting because I very much enjoyed doing the research for it. Mm. Yeah, well, I think that that's, that's a prescient note to end on because I do think I've long thought that BLM and organizations like it, the people who support them always trot out the line of being on the right side of history and you know being the good guys and all the rest of it. I, I sincerely believe that they will be remembered as, as basically being an organized crime organization, as basically being um, a grift and something that was deeply destructive. Um, and ultimately, as we said before, um, only allowed to do what they did because of a an elite that saw them as a tool to be used to further their ends and then discarded mm -hmm. as, as this uh, segment has shown. I 100% agree. So the final thing I wanted to mention, just because I didn't want to get you uh, leaving here without thinking it's all sunshine and roses because I wouldn't want Never. you to get too optimistic. Oh, God, no. no um, obviously, don't, don't be too miserable. But um, this article was published recently, which I think kind of highlights that there was a tangible effect so this is titled, Corporate America Promised to Hire a Lot More People of Color. It actually did. And before you start saying, well, you know, they can hire who they want. The point is the percentages. So three years after Black Lives Matter protests, the S&P 100 added more than 300,000 jobs. 94% went to people of color. So obviously, there was some actual bias sampling against white people here. Um, it's not based on merit. So because, of course, if they were hiring based on merit, there would be a bit more of a, a fair representation from uh, white people. I think, yeah. Not 6%. See, the, the white pill to take from this, though, is that uh, the, sort of the universe will punish the people that have done this because not hiring on merit and purely hiring on stupid things like racial characteristics is going to lead to things collapsing. Because if you, if you don't hire competent people, mm -hmm. things start to break down. Um, and so we will reap the uh, rewards of this. Uh, so they, this article has lots of graphics. This goes on and on about Black Lives Matter. Where's the graphic? Um, there's, there's one down here. So yeah, it, look, <laughs> visualizing it makes it seem even scarier. Um, so yes, it, where's the one where it has... Ah, here we are. So it, it's interesting to me that specific industries in particular didn't necessarily hire a proportionate amount of people. So a lot of the, a lot of the, the less qualified positions were occupied by minorities. And there's still the sort of corporate hierarchy of the highest percentage of white people is still the people running the show, mm. uh, along with the Asians as well, which is you know, what, what would probably happen were it to be a bit more organic. Yeah. But I, I find it... a bit strange that lots of companies have been in, infiltrated with people who infiltrated but have have hired people that 
won't be qualified. And so what's probably going to happen is all of these um, rather well-off companies are just going to be less efficient in their production because they've hired people rather than on their ability to do the job as well as possible, passing on the savings to the consumer. They've yeah. hired people based on their skin color because that's um, apparently good now mm. for some uh, reason. And when the companies that we're talking about include presumably Google, Netflix, YouTube, well, YouTube is Google, other such companies, is that really a bad thing? Well, yeah, in, in some ways. They've, they've done something which, in the end, they're going to punish themselves mm. um, unintentionally for mm. because they've hired people that are going to make the organization less efficient. Mm. And we'll probably see that actually things will get a lot worse for diversity mm. in, in the future. But it's, I just wanted to add this caveat because uh, it is important to acknowledge that the corporate world was certainly changed by Black Lives Matter, even if you know politics only briefly had a little blip. Mm. But yes, mostly good news. Mostly good. If you enjoyed that segment from the podcast of The Lotus Eaters, why not visit our website where you can get our podcast live, in full, uncensored and for free from one o'clock UK time every weekday. And while you're there, for as little as £5 a month, you can access all of our paywalled premium content, such as Josh's eclectic series Contemplations, where in this episode he discusses the origins of the English language in a two-part series. If you want to know the rest of what Josh is putting out, you can follow Josh on Twitter at at Josh Firm, and the rest of us over at at LotusEaters underscore com. Until next time, goodbye.